You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, your Monday episode for the first day of June. And uh, if it's anything, the first five months of this year brought to us, buckle the hell up, everybody. Uh, but again, the episode built to you by Built Bar. Built Bar, is, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you get $10 off your first box of their 60 delicious varieties of flavors um got some things here to get to um we're officially actually with the show here and for the nfl side of locked on network we're in off-season mode here so you know maybe a little bit less shows per week obviously something's good something's popping something's happened we're going to jump into it of course we're going to talk about those things uh pete smoke uh pete smith from sports illustrated obviously along here for the ride today um so make sure you're checking out uh your browns digest on si.com and make sure you're following at underscore pete smith underscore um Pete, the front office now, it's, you know, obviously all the little fill-ins have been put into place. We've, you know, gotten, you know, basically essentially what is the full roster of the front office and, you know, commonly looked at it and, and the way it's viewed is, you know, but, you know, many people around with NFL circles is, yeah, Andrew Barry maybe spent about, you know, eight months in Philadelphia. Um, but, you know, for what Andrew Barry's done so far to this point, it, it feels a lot more like Andrew Barry's short time in Philadelphia than it does for the tenure he had with Sashi Brown here with the Cleveland Browns. I guess. I don't know how much that really matters. I mean, it's just sort of a way to organize things. I mean, it, it's it's fine. You just basically divvy it up into analytics and scouting. Um, and the guy he brought in from San Francisco – uh, is the head of the analytics people, and then Glenn Cook, who is promoted uh, in-house, is in, in charge of the uh, uh, scouting department. And you know, I don't think uh, that uh, Elliot Wolf or Alonzo Highsmith had a place in this front office. Any scenario, but this sort of is one more reason why they weren't going to be retained. Is this structure sort of um, it, it, it just doesn't fit them. You can't really have an assistant GM the way things are going. You just have, uh, you know, your your GM and then these two columns. So there's no real, I mean, you're essentially inventing another level, which it doesn't appear they want it. Um, no, and it's, and this is, you know, again, the misconception of, you know, what people had as first, you know, when this, you know, front office, you know, the, the infancy of it, you know, what started to come together in late January is, you know, that it wasn't, you know, all analytics. It, it, it's not going to be all analytics, obviously, you know, with, you know, the emphasis they're putting here on the scouting department, but it's, and we keep harping on it, but, and this is the way businesses are run. Anything should be run nowadays is we are in the highest error of information in the world has ever possibly seen. So don't be so blissfully ignorant to ignore it use it and be able to use all facets of it, facets of it. Look, you know, things are going to happen. Decisions are going to go wrong. And, you know, things just, you know, it's, things are not going to work out. But the best recipe is to put yourself in a position. Again, it feels like we've been saying this for months is put yourself in a position and use the best information at hand to make sure everything you're blending together at least is going to lead you to the best possibility of results and, you know, strong results and, and wins and things of that nature and players not burning out or drafting busts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, I mean, analytics go back to Paul Brown. I mean, he's, you know, he invented the 40 yard dash uh, and, and things of that nature. 
Um, so, you know, that part's not new. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, is the, the best thing you can possibly do is to uh, effectively marry the data with what you're seeing on tape with, you know, the background, who the person is and all that stuff. That's how you're going to be uh, the most successful. Um, and that's, you know, obviously that looks the early um, returns on that prospect are, are pretty good from April. But that is, you know, obviously uh, this, this front office has not been here in this setup uh, yet to, to do that. But that is sort of the, the, the goal here is you want to marry those two things together, which is what I, I guess a lot of people have never really, or I guess the people when they when they thought it was, you know, the analytics approach was entirely based on data when it's all of it. And that is sort of Andrew Berry's history all wrapped into one thing is it's not, he, he, I mean, he played, obviously he's, he's been a, a, a old school scout and then he also appreciates all the things that data can sort of offer. So yeah, I mean, that, that, that's where this is going and that's the setup they want. And, and yes, uh, certainly, uh, you know, barring the structure from the Eagles is, Fine. I think the bigger thing he brought from Philadelphia is probably his his attitude when it comes to acquiring talent. Um, I think that's why they want all these draft picks, and that's why they want all this cap room. Is because I think they're going to do things like the Eagles like to do, which is trade picks for premium players on the relative cheap and just be able to pay them. Um, so there's no doubt that Philadelphia is going to have uh, his time in Philadelphia is going to have a impact on how he thinks or, or what he does. I just don't know, you know, it, it, like, I mean, it, sure, it, it's what happened. So, it, but I don't know if I'm, I'm sitting here going, wow, that, you know, that was the product of, of, of all this time in Philadelphia. It just happened to be the blueprint he liked, which is hopefully the one that works. Which is what you lead. I mean, which this all comes down to here. Um, and, you know, and you get into, you want to get into the realm of, you know, these Calais Campbell trades and, you know, you find a, a team that's, you know, got a veteran here and you know what, you can maybe get from Calais Campbell for a season, maybe two, and he was worth a fifth round draft pick. Um, but you know, never taking an easy way out, or never stop working, and never stop turning over rocks to find yourself, you know, to get your roster in the best position for success on Sundays, which is you know the name of the game, and is essentially how everybody is judged at the end of the day. None of it else really matters. It all comes down to wins and losses, guys. We all know this. Right now, for a limited time. Blankist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blankist.com slash NBA. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. Uh, we've been doing this uh, over the last couple episodes. You know, We got to the AFC South. We got to the AFC North. Obviously, we'll continue here with the NFC East teams that are on the Browns schedule this year. Um, you know, team MVPs, what makes each team hum, essentially. Um, you know, you look at it, you know, uh, you know Philadelphia. Dallas, uh, New York Giants, Washington, obviously, you know, we're, you know, inverse order of how they all finished last year. Um, I, I guess we start at the top here and you start with Dallas, Pete. Um, I, it's weird because I guess it all does come down on Dak, but they put himself in, it put him in a great position as far as, you know, weapons to succeed with. And, you know, you add CD Lamps, the wide receiver core you already had there with obviously Cooper Gallup, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, as, you know, always just been able, you know, as long as he can get out of his own way off the field, on the field, he's always been a solid, you know, contributor to what they have there. So, I mean, is it Dak? Because, I mean, this is one team, and you can look at Dallas, and you really can't even bring up a player on defense, essentially, that would be in this argument for them. 
Uh, I mean, again, it's one of those you, you can't give it to the offensive line. So if you can't give it to the offensive line, then you sort of stuck with that. And and I think I think for the moment it's still Ezekiel Elliott, which is part of why they were bad last year. Is he wasn't great, but he's still the thing that makes them go. And 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 in order for them to sort of be a great great team, um, they're going to have to get to the point where. You know, Dak is that guy. Obviously, the defense is its own question, but in order for them to to do the things they're trying to uh, become with, with everything they have invested in offense, it requires Dak to be not just good. He has to be, you know, outstanding, and that's that's the challenge for him. And, and obviously, they're still trying to um, get up the contract worked out, but that is the expectation. I mean, it, you sign this contract, the expectation is, is Super Bowl. At some point, that you win a Super Bowl. Now we'll see if they can do that, especially with the defense they have. And you know that's that's been the thing for us is you know it was you like what they've done, but I mean you know you're going to get yourself, um, and even Kansas City you know kind of had to switch some things up late in the season last year to make sure that you know when they got to the playoffs it wasn't going to just be you know you know a, a taste of the playoffs. It was going to be a Super Bowl run, which led essentially to a Super Bowl title once they were able to slow down. You know, got San Francisco you know kind of out of the run game, got the game to eleven play level playing field where you know their quarterback better than the other quarterback, and it turned out and obviously led to them being crowned Super Bowl champion. Philadelphia Eagles is tough beat because I guess maybe it should be Carson Wentz, but you look at the success they had, you know, in times with Nick Foles, obviously you saw the playoff game, you know, the way that went down last year and obviously losing Wentz. So, you know, that essentially, you know, eliminated any aspect of, you know, taking a W against the Seattle Seahawks last year. Would have been a tough game regardless of the fact. But, you know, Philadelphia, and it's, there's been some changing of the guard as far as, you know, some of the personnel here. Obviously they've done a lot here to, get Carson more weapons to you know, work with some of the weapons last year. They were either injured or players that they had brought in that just weren't ready. Um, I, I guess it's got to be Carson Wentz. There really is, you know, I mean, their defense is more of a unit that essentially works together. You know, they're lacking, you know, some pieces in the secondary, which they hope they address, obviously, by bringing in Darius Slay. Um, but I guess it would be the gelling of these new weapons. And, you know, hopefully, I guess it comes down onto the shoulders of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is the MVP. I mean, they went to the playoffs with, no weapons. I mean, Boston Scott, uh, I think they had a DB playing receiver at one point. I mean, they, they didn't have anything, and they still got there. So you can't say it's anybody but Wentz. And, and then, again, it's a situation where, you know, has, has sort of been the deal with his career thus far. It's, um, you know, how, what, can he be healthy? Is, is he going to be able to – survive long enough to to take your team to the title. Obviously, they, they added quarterback help to try to alleviate some of that uh, pressure. But, I mean, it, it, they go as he goes, it's particularly on offense. And, again, they have another offensive line with a lot of investment, as they should. But weapon-wise, you know, it's been, uh, you know, Alshon Jeffrey, you know, after they, after they won the Super Bowl, it's sort of been just bad in terms of his health and, and productivity. So they've had to sort of take that next move and it's been Ertz and now they're trying to do more with that group and, and see what else they can get. So it's Wentz, uh, but that may be somewhat limiting to what they can do. But the Eagles have just a, a ton of talent. 
They do. And you know, Miles Sanders, as he progressed, you know, uh, you know, in the second half of his rookie year, you know, we had talked about him and we thought it was, you know, a special, special talent coming out of Penn State where he had been essentially, you know, based under their under the radar, you know, due uh, to someone we'll probably get to here in a second, uh, you know, from the New York Giants and Saquon Barkley here. Um, but but you know, you're going to need these younger receivers to step up. Obviously, Slay is, you know, someone that they're, you know, obviously looking forward to to taking out some of the major weapons that they're going to face you know, between the NFC East and obviously, you know, everybody else on the 2020 schedule. Um, and you're going to need someone of that caliber to, you know, slow things down here. And hopefully, you know, it's more you can control the game through the offensive side of the ball. And I think that's what the Eagles are trying to get themselves back to after some changes and an extension to all Sean Jeffrey and the signing of Deshaun Jackson, where essentially, you know, none of it worked out, it, you know, and like Pete said, I mean, you were, you know, down in your fifth, sixth wide receivers and you had, you know, defensive backs essentially moonlighting on the offensive side of the ball. The New York Giants, um, I, I guess it, 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 there's no, I mean, for me, it's got to be Saquon Barkley. You have no idea what Daniel Jones is. Um, this is a team that still doesn't have that dominant, pass rusher yet and you know pete and i joked about how they played themselves out of that word could have very easily been chase young but they decided to winning a meaningless week 16 week 17 game against washington redskins so they could go ahead and give washington that lovely gift that is chase young um it's saquon pete i mean they're gonna need more um you know i you know the golden thing coming back but it's not like marcus golden is you know some you know 15 sack per year guy i mean he's a nice piece of the unit here um, they're certainly going to need some players to step up on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but Squan Barkley, with all he can do right now, he can keep you in any game because, I mean, very easily, very capable of, you know, putting together a you know 200 yards total offense on any given week. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, that's not where you want to be. It's they're bad. <laughs> they're really, really bad. Um, he, I mean, he, he, he is a, a very talented player. He's, he's, uh, you know, he, he had the sophomore slump no one wants to talk about uh, because he was injured, and, and that's sort of how that goes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and the Giants have efforted to improve the offensive line. Um, they're trying to do more to help uh, with Andrew Thomas. They're trying to do more to help uh, improve Daniel Jones who's entering an awkward, awkward year for him with everything they have and haven't done. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Saquon Barkley, but they're, they're bad. I mean, they're just an awful football team and, and, and I think it's going to take a couple of years. But, unless Jan- Daniel Jones is like a revelation that, that I just don't think is going to, is coming. Uh, that uh, if he's suddenly great, then it can make up for a lot of the holes they have on the defensive side of the ball, which are substantial. And if this team is drafting, you know, anywhere where they've been, the first three drafts where Dave Goodman's been here, um, you know, for the Giants, uh, it, that plug, it, it might be time to get pulled at. Um, you know, came in, obviously, you know, drafted two, took Saquon. I believe it was eight for Daniel Jones. Now you're back at four this year uh, with the selection you made there of Andrew Thomas here. Um, it's, you know, it, it, there's only so many cracks you get with the bat here. Um, and Dave Goodman uh, might get essentially lifted for a pinch hitter if this season does not show some serious, serious rewards for the New York Giants. The Washington Redskins, Pete, and this is one, Pete, where uh, I'm totally with you. If we can give it to a positional group, you know, you got to be looking at this defensive line for the Washington Redskins and saying that is probably the spot. To pick out in, you know, a singular player here is damn near impossible. But, you know, uh, know, with the way you've been trying to do this with some of these shows and some of these teams we've been mentioning – if you were going to try to find a way to divvy it up for the Washington Redskins, adding Chase Young to what was already a pretty damn good defensive line is probably the way you would go here. 
I guess. Um, he didn't have a good la- la- year last year. I, I would probably say, based on you know proven track record, it's uh, Ryan Kerrigan. Based on last year, it may well be Terry McLaurin, which, again, it, it, you're not good if that's your, your MVP. Um, <laughs> they're just – they're not. They're 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 going to be a fun team to watch when they don't have the ball. I mean that's sort of their their deal. Um, we shall see if they can get more out of the uh, offense and out of Dwayne Haskins and see if they can do uh, more to. Just see if they can get get him to be a functional quarterback. Um, and if they can do that, then they're they're going to be in good shape. I mean, they've got some interesting pieces around him, and you know they they could be. They, it's going to be a struggle, but I don't know. They they, they just they, they just have so many things that they have to do that 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 aren't going to get fixed in the near future. So we'll see um, what what can happen. Uh, it, and, you know, one of the interesting things is, is that they never really gotten the return out of Darius Geis. Obviously, they were hoping, well, you know, between the injuries and that stuff. So that's something that's probably held the franchise back a little bit. Um, you know, Haskins, obviously, is going to be a huge year, too, here. You're going to be in with the regime that did not bring you in here. Um, so, you know, they've kind of got, like, one eye open to the, the, you know, one eye open to Dwayne Haskins. Also, one eye open to what might be available, you know, whether in the future through agency or through the draft here at the quarterback position. Because, um, you know, starting to fill some holes here. Um, but you know, a lot of it comes down to quarterback and you can have to see, you know, the way it works out for Haskins, especially in the system. Um, you got to think it's going to be a little bit of run heavy, you know, they're not really just going to turn Dwayne Haskins just loose here in year two. Uh, I got some listener questions coming up here. Um, you know, more coming. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith on your Monday, beginning of June, um, locked on Browns. The amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. Um, through my personal business, 9 to 5, guys, I've, I've dealt with Rock Auto for years here. Um, you know, it, it, Easy, amazing way to just basically scan the country for things you need. Works well. Obviously, for you know anybody driving an older car, sometimes it's harder to find parts. Rockauto.com. Again, though, tell them Lockdown Brown sent you. Go ahead and check them out. We got some listener questions here for this Monday and appreciate you guys every, you know, everybody for this. And, you know, obviously, you know, know, just a couple of thoughts on over the weekend. I don't want to get too into it. I mean, I know everybody's about as fired up as we can, but we'll go ahead and, you know, file through a couple of listener questions here because I do appreciate you guys for sending them on over. Um, Do you have any concerns about Joe Woods? His previous stops don't always inspire confidence as a defensive coordinator. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, He was he was his defenses were fantastic when he was defensive coordinator. Um, I, I think I really liked his press conference. I feel like he understands where the game is going um, in terms of um, uh, how you have to defend and, and and the ways you have to deal with opponents and those type of things. So I am very confident in what he wants to do. Having said that, I'm just, you know, my concern is obviously you're trying to throw a defense there. And granted, it is an individual, um, it's an individual thing to learn your job responsibilities. It's still 
playing team defense. Um, and you still have to be able to, you know, get sort of a flow of what things are, are happening and calls on the field and those type of things. So, you know, it's the same concern I have with everything is how do you make this and you get on the field? But in terms of acumen, he wants to do, I think. Um, in talking in this team and talking about what they've done on the defensive side of ball the last couple of years. And, you know, we, we've emphasized, oh, my God, the defensive line, there's nothing there, there's no depth. And seeing the vision of, you know, what Joe Wood seems and apparently wants as far as personnel, um, and they've obviously beeped up, you know, the defensive line rotation. We were screaming, who's the third defensive tackle here, you know, for two seasons. Now it's more of, well, you know, who would play, who would be the fifth guy if somebody was going to get some run here? Um, you know, uh, deep at the edge for now, we'll see how the rest of that plays out. Um, we've talked about the fact that, you know, it seems, and, you know, and Joe Woods basically reiterated as such, it's going to go more heavy on the defensive side of the ball as far as playing a lot of safeties um, and, you know, just going that route. I mean, if everybody's going to spread it out here and it's kind of what everybody's doing. And, you know, obviously a lot of quarterbacks with good legs in this league. Um, so, you know, for me, um, you know, look, he emphasizes the pass rush, he wants athletes on the field. He's looking for solid tacklers. Uh, you know, for now, I, I, I don't really have an issue whatsoever here. Um, and this one here uh, is from Lucky, and Lucky's sent it a bunch over the time. I'm um, gonna appreciate that. And this is one I've talked about since you know Baker first walked here, Pete. Um, the speed on offense. I mean, you know, go more. Couldn't you, would they possibly go more two minute? Is it quicker to just you know get it to the line, essentially call it from there? Because it just seems with the type of guy Baker is, and you know the quickness and the you know the confidence that he plays with, you know, breaking it down for 20 plus seconds or so to huddle up and get everything to the line of scrimmage. It almost seems kind of like you, you almost put an emergency breaker on emergency break on Baker, where he is just such a quick and you know always into it. You know, for me, yes, I, I mean I've talked about this for a while. I, I think it should be more of you know at least on the ball or you know sneaking in some you know five play sequences, six play sequences here. I, I don't see how that could hinder him. No. Uh, well, look, I mean, so fast is largely born out of your confidence and your ability to run the offense. Um, and that, you know, theoretically could be a smaller amount of playbook or, you know, it, it just depends on your level of confidence, uh, confidence and confidence in what you're calling. And I am, I've always been a believer that uh, tempo is a weapon and that's some, one more thing you can do. You can use uh, the clock to your advantage. You can um, go fast or go slow, depending on what you're trying to do. Um, if you catch, people on a personnel package you want to take advantage of or you don't want to give them the opportunity to uh, get out of something that they, they, they were in and you capitalize on it, great. But, you know, you can only go as fast as the offensive guys go. And that may not just be Baker Mayfield. Last year, obviously, we, we, we find out that, you know, they were running plays that guys hadn't practiced. And, we, you know, we had all these uh, penalties before uh, the play with guys not being lined up correctly and all this stuff. And, you can't go fast if you're doing those things. So you have to be able to play clean, cleaner football as well. So, I mean, I, I, I certainly like the idea of being able to use tempo. I like the idea of being able to um, – I, I think you just have to, to, to be able to run – operate cleanly. And look, I mean, if it gets to the point where everybody, you know, and you can get this, hopefully, it's going to be tough, obviously, with the reps that Odell is going to be able to get this summer or Jarvis or anybody 
who knows when we get to business and obviously, you know, doors starting to open a little bit here on June 1st. Um, but the more comfortability and, you know, a lot of it comes down to stability. You can't be changing coordinators, head coaches, systems every year. And you don't want to basically, you know, put things into a pressure cooker because it just takes time to get acclimated. It takes time to get comfortable. It takes time to get familiar with everybody. So it does make it tough. Yeah. It'd be a grand, great, great idea. Um, but I don't think it's something you're going to be able to just hit the ground running doing if you can all the more power to you, but you know, with this, these zoom classes and the way, you know, offense is being taught here and you know meetings and stuff like that could make it a little bit difficult to uh, be doing that out of the jump here from at uh, AJ five K 86. Will Hunt be used in the slot this year? Has Stefanski ever utilized a uh, pass-catching running back out wide before or ever? And will Nick Chubb be used more in the passing game? Um, as far as Nick Chubb, I, I'm assuming, you know, you're just going to see the maturation of the player. I mean, we've talked about this hunt. It's just, you know, some of it just comes more naturally for him. Um, you know, he's, he's been doing it obviously longer, you know, you know, Georgia, the passing of the running back isn't so such a huge part, you know, traditional part of their offense here. Um, I, I don't know about slot, Pete. I'm sure there's going to be looks where Hunt could be out there. And, you know, you're going to say, you know, if you're using, you know, 11 personnel, you could, you know, call Hunt, you know, a wide receiver and use in that respect. But you, you do have guys that can do that as well with Rashard Higgins. Um, but I do think Kareem Hunt's going to have, and I'm not saying it's going to be taken away from Nick Nick Chubb, but I think Kareem Hunt is going to have a little bit bigger impact with this offense this year than people actually think he's going <clears> to. <throat> so the big advantage with uh, Baker or uh but Nick Chubb is that he doesn't need a fullback. He can run in any position. He can, you know, single back, fullback, you know, empty. He can work in any of those formations. Whereas uh, Kareem Hunt, you know, unless it's just you're just saying it's a pass, is slightly more limited in what he offers. Schematically, like you, if you're going to hand him the ball, you, you probably need a fullback. Um, so certainly that would present more opportunities for Chubb to be a part of the passing game. He's obviously improved in the passing game. Um, I, I like where he's going. Obviously, Hunt is just better at it, which you know that doesn't mean Chubb bad. I think he's he's perfectly effective. But obviously, Hunt is his own skill set. The question for this uh, group, this offense, is do you want Kareem Hunt out in space? Or are you better off with, say, an Austin Hooper or whoever? You know, you've got all these guys you've added uh, or, or the dynamics you've sort of changed with your offense. I mean, do you want Kareem Hunt out there? Do you want, like, Harrison Bryant out there as a third option? Do you want – uh, Stephen Carlson out there, I, and that—that's a question I don't know the answer. But um, I think the, the, the it certainly it, it's going to make it easier for Hunt or to, for Chubb to be a receiving threat. I think it's going to be a matter entirely of what the offense wants to do because there's nothing that's going to prevent uh, Hunt from being good. In this offense, as a receiver, it's just entirely a question of is that their best play? Uh, yeah, I mean, in, 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 I think the goal was to be able to create, mix, and match and go with as many different looks as possible. Um, you have a fullback here. Um, you know, obviously, you know, is going to have a small, you know, a small role, big role, and whatever it is, and we'll see how it, where he works with the running game. But you've, you've not limited yourself this year. You have a, a ton of weapons, and you're deep at tight end. You were deep at running back. You were deep at wide receiver. 
Um, you've improved the offensive line here. So everything is there. All the ingredients are there. And as long as the recipe works, it, it should lead to a huge, huge comeback for the offense in 2020. Uh, this one from uh, Giovanni Ravis. Um, I guess this is about food and, you know, I, you know, costs are rising on, you know, a lot of meat. Granted, a lot of people are home right now and I understand that. And yeah, you're getting some gouging out things like burgers or whatever. I'll be honest with you guys. I, I don't, I don't go, I don't buy meat. I don't go grocery shopping based on you know, what we want right now. It, it's based on, you know, what's pricing and most likely we're chasing what's on sale because everything's starting to rise here a little bit. So you got to be careful with that. Um, you know, just get what you can, um, you know, and don't be afraid to switch it up here. Uh, if you wanted to do burgers, you can't buy ground chicken instead. You know, I wouldn't eat a turkey burger, but ground chicken as a burger isn't too, too bad in that respect. Um, Pete's been very vocal on this, um, you know, through social media. I just, you know, I just haven't. I mean, just a lot of it for me. I just sit back and just shake my head at all of it. Um, I think at the end of the day, we just want a better world. I've got two daughters. Look, you know, whatever this world is for me now at you know my age is what it is. There's not too much I can do about it. I have two little girls. They're 13 to 12. I, I want I want a world where everybody is treated with respect. Everybody feels like they should feel like they are equal around each other. It's it's just tough to see that in. And, you know, somebody, you know, because of their skin color is viewed differently or viewed lesser. I'm sorry, that, that's just not a world that we should be comfortable with and, you know, and, and accept. It's just it's just not right in that respect. Um, everybody, you know, you get one shot at this in your life. Your life is your life. Um, that's all you get. And as far as that, everybody should deserves the possibility to have the greatest life possible and not have to have, you know, be viewed differently for whatever the freak reason it is, you know, race, religion, whatever, everybody deserves equality is what it comes down to. Pete, you got anything you want to add in here before we wrap this one up, brother? Well, it's just, um, you know, I wrote about it in, in terms of Colin Kaepernick is, is in trying to get people to understand that when you don't listen to these people and their valid concerns and, you know, it, it, for them, it is life and death. There's only so many places it can go. He took a knee. People didn't want to hear it. Uh, you know, LeBron and, and, and a number of other NBA players, you know, poignantly wore shirts that said, I can't breathe in regards to Eric Garner. We had the situation in 2014 in uh, Ferguson, Missouri, uh, where a, a child, or, you know, a kid, he was young, young kid, um, died at the hands uh, of police. And, you know, this is an, an area not unlike Minneapolis that has a history of uh, systematic racism when it comes to the police force. And we're seeing this play out, and it's incredibly heart-wrenching to watch that, that, you know, these people are basically saying, look, this is what we've been trying to say all along and you didn't want to listen to us. And, and now that it's, you know, turned into riots and, and I'm not, I don't think uh, anyone is suggesting that this is okay. All, all, you know, that, that no one wants to see violence. No one wants to see, people getting their heads bashed in or any of this other stuff. No one wants to see this destruction. All those people, all I would point out is that this is what happens when there's only so many places to go. And and this is what sort of erupts from that. And now you're forced to listen. Now, is anybody going to, to change as a result of this? I I don't know. 
The other thing I would point out, and I think it goes hand in hand with um, with with civil rights and, and the causes that are being fought for, is is particularly in Cleveland. Um, you've seen over the past couple of years, in particular over the past couple of months, um, the just reduction and layoffs, and you know this this just eliminating so many people who cover local news and the, the the current media just doesn't have the manpower to do all this at a time when you need, you know, answers, you need to actually know what's going on when you need the, the people in places of power to actually be held accountable. You don't have them. And and then you have what takes place over the weekend where, where the, the Cleveland police actually say to the media, you can't be out here. And, you know, if you're somebody who's trying to get people the truth and you're trying to see what's going on and you're trying to hold the powerful accountable, they're, they're basically saying your your primary role is, is no longer valid. And that kind of oppression leads to, I think, just it, it's, to me, what is happening in Cleveland to the to to news media to that lack of having a true independent voice is very dangerous to where this country is going. I think whether you know, you you can disagree on any number of things, but right now there are more people holding the Cleveland Browns accountable in their, in, their, in their coverage of the Browns than there are you know most of Northeast Ohio just from a municipal and just understanding what's going on. And when you don't have that, it's easier for, for corruption to go on. It's easier for, for things to be wrong. And it's, it's more, uh, it's a lot easier for the powerless to be taken advantage of. I mean, when you hear that, maybe the police have everyone's best uh, safety in mind that they don't want anybody to get hurt. On the other hand, it provides a, a cover to potentially you know, have somebody be a victim of of, of abuse by police or, or, or over, you know, too much force or whatever. So I, I think I, I would hope that everything has gone on, whether it's been local, obviously there's been protests just about everywhere, uh, is that, one, people are ready to listen, hopefully ready to do more than listen when it comes to making sure that everybody in this country has the same rights and i hope people are willing to fight for a truly free press that's a that's vibrant in the city because i think if you don't have that it endangers the the society we live in i think it's we are always our healthiest with the most uh voice uh from from media where you can you know they can ask questions and you can evaluate what they they, they say or what what they don't say but it's got to be we've got to get to valuing local news uh, and local news has to be of value. And I think those things have to happen in order for things to get better. Uh, definitely, definitely. No doubt about it. Um, you know, we'll be back with you guys later this week, you know, more comment, anything breaks, uh, you know, a couple more episodes coming this week, but like I said, we're a little bit in off season mode here. Uh, can you kind of slow it down here a little bit in that respect? Appreciate you all for your time. Obviously, you know, to our sponsors, built bar, blinkist, 
and uh, Rock Auto. Uh, thankful for all of them. Uh, make sure you're checking everything out again uh, at Browns Digest on Twitter. Everything from Browns Digest and Pete and his team through SI.com. Make sure you're following Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore show itself at Locked on Browns. Always follow back. DMs are always open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, you know, throw a follow over there. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.